0: Well, hey, this is Mark Elliott, uh, Mark Elliott Creative here in Nashville. And if you want to build world-class communication skills, you should be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my good friend, Greg Rice.
1: Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life, so let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking with Mark Elliott.
2: Mark is the founder of Mark Elliott Creative. He's also a very successful songwriter in Nashville and has been for over 30 years now writing for country music's biggest publishing houses, as well as some of its biggest singers, and penning a number of country hits. He's also a singer himself and sings with a band called Runaway Home, and he's just released two newly, newly released solo songs, which you can find on Spotify if you just search Mark Elliott. And then finally, he's also an author um, from a book and long form perspective. He is the author of The Sons of Stormout, a memoir of a 10 year old boy. And he's in the process of writing his second book, a follow up book to that. So Mark is is a creative across a wide range of activities, and it was a really fun conversation. We talked about the nuances of communicating through song, right? Communicating powerful stories in a three minute window, and doing it in a way that is telling something unique and different than everybody else, but also telling it in a way that resonates with a big audience of folks, right? Something that's very hard to do, but um, also very valuable to be able to do. So we also talked about how to tell a great story, regardless of medium, right? What what are the keys to telling stories, whether you're performing on stage, um, writing a song, or if you're writing a book? And then finally, how has he built and maintained a really strong network in Nashville over the last 30 years? And how important has that been to his overall success? So I really enjoyed this conversation. Mark's a really fun guy to talk to. And I just think that there's a ton that we can learn from creative artists like Mark to be better business people. So I hope that you enjoy it as well. Mark, thank you for joining us on the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to have you on today.
0: Oh, It's great to be with you, Greg. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Always excited to talk to folks in the music industry. You guys have a really unique take on communication. I think we can learn a lot from you.
0: Well, it's cool to be able to talk to, you know, more traditional, you know, business minded people, whether it's podcasts or other interviews. I've done a few. I haven't done as many as I'd like to with uh, very traditional um, kind of business models because music is not a traditional business model, but we have to exist in one. So, it's, it's a fun back and forth. So, I appreciate the opportunity. For sure, for sure. Let's start off by just telling me a
2: little bit about how you got into the music and the writing side of things.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, as of February, I started celebrating my 30th year in Nashville, if you can believe that. I don't know where the time went, as they say. Clichés aren't <laughs> clichés for nothing. Uh, I was living up in Washington, D.C., uh, went to high school and college up there, and um, was playing bars and clubs and. Uh, I was taken under the wing of a legendary folk singer named Tom Paxton. was lucky to have run into him in my late teen years. And, um, he helped me develop my writing skills to the point where I would take an old realistic tape recorder. People remember what those are cassettes. <laughs> and I would <laughs> sing my songs into this cassette and, uh, mail it off and he would flip it over and he would redline and go through all my songs and, uh, really help me develop a craft early on. But more importantly, and this kind of goes to the business side of the, of the question, understanding that songwriting was separate from just singing. Mm-hmm. You know? And I really, so I was lucky as a young man to understand that songwriting could be a profession. And out of the blue, uh, right after I graduated college, he called the house and said, Hey, can you, uh, this is like in November, can you be in Nashville by January 1st? I have a publishing deal with Cherry Lane Music. And I didn't know anything about Nashville. I, I Seen hee haw and Nashville, Nashville Network a little bit, but I, I wasn't thinking Nashville. This is 1989, but of course, I said sure. Hung up the phone and ran upstairs. I was living at home at the time and told mom and dad, I said, Hey, I've got to move to Nashville here by January 1st. I have a publishing deal. And they said, Well, that's great, son. What's publishing deal? And I can remember saying, I have no idea, <laughs> but I, and I didn't. And I uh, I moved to Nashville in that January and I wrote for Cherry Lane. and. Over 30 years, I've written for uh, you know many uh, of Nashville's publishers and uh, kind of made it my home. Nashville is an easy place to make home, honestly, as far as industry towns go. If you talk about New York and L.A. and Nashville, mm-hmm. Nashville is no longer a small town, but it's certainly smaller than New York and L.A., so it's been an easy place to call home.
2: Yeah, a big fan myself. My wife and I just got to visit last summer, and we had a really good time when, when we were in town. Yeah, yeah so- it's a good place. So you do a lot of long form writing, you write a lot of songs, and we'll definitely get into those aspects of things. But at the core of both of those, I think is storytelling. And yeah. I'd love to get a feel for you from you kind of why you love storytelling so much, and, and how can we become better storytellers?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So Nashville and country music as an industry and as a genre is particularly focused on storytelling, you know, I think much more than other genres of music. Probably goes back to you know, being able to tell people stories that weren't able to be told. And to be able to do that, I think you have to be on input a lot. That's why I believe that, you know, discipline and inspiration are connected at the hip. If you're writing every day, you're more likely to hear that conversation in a restaurant that sparks an idea. You're more likely to see a phrase on a billboard. You're more likely to connect with somebody's story. And, you know, we talk a lot about the cliche of, you know, music being the soundtrack to, um, to society, the soundtrack to our life. And I think a, an important part of that is being able to get people's stories out there. And it's addictive. You know, as a country music songwriter, especially because it's so has been over the years, so story oriented, it's a powerful feeling to be able to connect with something that someone needs to say and, and be their delivery device. Mm-hmm. We, we talk a lot about a, a hit song a lot of times is this great combination between being able to say something incredibly universal so that no matter the demographic, people can connect with the idea, but you doing it in a way that nobody else has done it, finding that, finding those words in that angle that turns a universal subject into a megaphone. And that's a, that chase is pretty addictive. Yeah. And something that's incredibly
2: difficult to do. And I love how you put it there, right? Something that uh, you you say in a unique way, but also something that resonates with a lot of people, like those two two always working against each other, you know, and that's, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have. And again, being writing every day, I just keep going back to that because it's, it's, it's probably just like any other business skill. If you are practicing your craft you will be in the moment that you need to be in. So you'll have that inspiration or when uh, opportunity knocks that cliche, you're ready and you're ready because you're disciplined in the skill. A lot of times people think that creatives are just kind of waiting around for lightning to strike. And I've just dis- discovered that lightning strikes a lot more uh, if you're writing all the time.
2: Yeah. You know, how do you get in the minds of your audience You know, to get a good feel for what really resonates with them?
0: You have to start, I think, being honest with yourself and realizing you're a human being too. And you go through similar emotions and similar experiences. And though you're, you're the song catcher in this case, you're the songwriter in this case, I think you can't forget kind of being human yourself. And so putting yourself in that position and trying to imagine how people feel and what they would want to say is part of it. You know, I want to go back to something you said before, just it's really interesting how
2: you talked about country music as being a specific genre that does a lot of storytelling. I actually grew up listening to a lot of hip hop and rap and my Uh favorite hip hop artists and songs were always the ones that told great stories. And I never listened to country. And then I met my wife and she kind of introduced me to country. And what I loved about it so much was the storytelling. And that's what really got me into country now. Um, course, it's you,
0: this, but. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because you're right. I mean, I think rap and hip hop is kind of the storytelling model as well. I think a lot of people don't think that initially because it is, you know, put out there on the on a beat and on a groove. And that's kind of what you hear first and connect with first. But you're right. I mean, that, that those are, are pretty important storytelling vehicles as well, which is probably why when you think about it, it became a popular fast. I mean, that's not been a genre that's been around forever. No, not at all. Not um, at all. And that's, pro- that's probably the, the, uh, now that we talk about that that's probably what made hip hop in the end popular quickly because it, it was telling a story that was and like we said before people's stores that weren't getting out there. Exactly. Yeah. And being different. the megaphone to get them out there. Yeah, different point.
2: group of people that are being magnified, but <clears throat> right. certainly the uh, kind of the same kind of process. It's very not, yeah. not all, there's a lot of crap rap out there for sure, but there are some really good storytellers. Of course. Um, and that, yeah. that's what I love um, uh, about it. Good point. So uh, you also play in a band today, right? You played in bands, I believe, most of your life. So I'd love to talk about the art of performing and telling a story when you're on stage through a performance and, and how to do that well.
0: Yeah, I think it is a um, striking that balance between being practiced and rehearsed and having a show that makes sense. You know, when you go out and you play, of course, you have sets that are time based. You know, you're doing a 45 minute set. You're doing an hour set. You're doing a two hour show. And if you're smart, you put some effort into the flow of how that's going to be. And that makes the show seem professional. And then the other part of that balance is being able to let the moment take you. So Mm -hmm. it's striking that, that kind of fluidity between being, you know, having that static command of what you want to do so that you're not out there just blowing in the wind, but at the same time you can be fluid. And I think that's true of business in general, right? I mean, you have this kind of static purpose or or product or, or something you're trying to get out there, but you're going to have to be able to blowing the wind a little bit. And so with, with, with putting on a good show, it's, you know, it's taking your set out there, but also reading an audience, you know, whether that's tempo and feeling like, Hey, we got to speed things up or wow, these people are really connecting to these songs. Let's go. Let's, let's call some audibles, you know, let's move Mm -hmm. some things around. So I guess it's finding, you know, and it's having a good time. I guess all that philosophy aside, it's having a good time. People see you having a good time and in fact, we've had you know audiences that I know didn't necessarily weren't there to see us. Maybe, maybe parents drugged them there, or maybe they stumbled into a festival and they didn't know us. And maybe they weren't into our type of music. But if you are having a good time, there's a power in that, I think. Sure. And, um, you know, I think if you can do that and portray it to an audience, then you have an open door. And I think a lot of that can
2: be applied to presenting in business situations, right? Presenting to crowds and audiences. I can tell you that, like, I prepare a lot when I do a presentation, but I don't try to script anything, right? I try to have an idea of what I want to say and what sections and where I want to take it, but I certainly don't have specifically, this is what I want to say when I want to say it, because I would fall apart if I was trying to remember all that, for
0: one. And people would also not, you know, they'd question the genuineness of it, even though could be very genuine the process by how you put information out there is as important as the information itself right
2: yeah no completely agree with that and the uh, you know not being afraid to call audibles as you say based on questions that come up or how your audience is responding is critical and then being genuine and and actually trying to feel good about what you're doing and not letting the nerves kind of get you right um being yourself up there i've always had my best presentations when i've just let myself be myself as much as possible which is interesting
0: i get that because some of i look back on whether solo shows or certainly band shows because you have that interaction between band members but those shows that you like totally hose something or something goes wrong or you screw something up sometimes those are the uh, most successful shows Mm -hmm. measured by tangible things i mean i can recount a lot of shows that either we just screwed things up and they, it was hysterical or somebody fell or somebody dropped something. or <laughs> And you go back to the merch table and you have people buying a lot of merch. So I think there's some tangible ways to measure that. And so I, I can feel pretty confident in saying that sometimes mistakes and how you handle them are pretty powerful performance uh, pieces, you know, For sure. and people respond to it because they're like, you're human like me. yeah
2: yeah and i've messed up before too and kind of make a joke out of it and everybody lightens up and it kind of it it makes them
0: into you yeah yeah Yeah,
2: us all human so do you have to fight through stage fright at all Uh, and if so some people do some people don't right any call any tips on how to get over yeah
0: i've i've been lucky to never have debilitating stage fright i think there is an element of nerves that must be there Like I can't imagine stepping on stage and being like, you know, medicated or something, you know, (laughs) or stepping on stage and being so chill that the effort that would be required to get things up and roll and would work against you. So uh, I think it's important to have some butterflies and some nerves. Although to answer your question practically, I mean, we definitely at times and I have at times put specific songs in the first or second slots not only to grab people but also to kind of let our let myself warm up mm-hmm. i might not start with a brand new song that i'm already pretty convinced i'm going to screw up <laughs> you know get, get your feet wet get yourself rolling do something that has you have some mastery of and th- and there'll be times where uh you might that might be an audible too right before you step on stage like you have your set list drawn out but you've been kind of milling around the audience or checking things out and you're like hey you know what this is probably not the best way to start Mm -hmm. so how you start for me how i start controls the nerves Mm -hmm. if i start well the nerves come under control quickly yeah so that's a practical way i think of controlling stage fright is control your entrance into the show you know yeah if you focus
2: a lot on that first
0: piece and preparing
2: for that you know that's going to go well that's going to go a long way in helping you feel better throughout the presentation when you do kill that part for sure Yeah. Interesting. So again, to shift topics, so you do a lot of long form writing as well, right? You've written a book and and done some other long form things. So I'd love to talk about the difference in storytelling in that framework versus, you know, writing a song, which is three minutes
0: long. Right. No, that's a perfect question about it. And uh, I honestly believe that the skill set of being a long time commercial published songwriter would transfer over to being a book author. It did not. (laughs) Uh, maybe the discipline part did like I know how to sit down and not get back up for hours. I can, I know how to write every day. I know how to sit in front of a computer or a piece of blank paper and not scare myself. So that those tools transferred over, but none of the others did. And I think the challenge in writing commercial country music is that you have these very static rules, time being the first one. I mean, two and a half, three minutes, is what you were aiming for, especially if you were trying to get a radio single. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were rhyme scheme and rhyme structures and to some degree content constraints. So that was the challenge in writing commercial country music is how do you get this powerful thing across in this very small vehicle? The challenge in writing long form, whether it's a novel or where I started, which was band blogs, so that's kind of what got me into writing books was I started writing up 800 to 1,000 word band blogs and went oh my god i have room this is great (laughs) but i had to learn how to be succinct in a thousand words where in 300 words or 250 words or whatever a song might be 200 words i had to learn to be complete in short amount so they're really kind of opposite challenges so with book writing it is a I guess one of the common denominators is there's a lot of rewriting. If you're, if you're smart and you're good at it, you're going to rewrite and you're going to realize that a lot of the magic in songs for books comes in the rewrite and mm-hmm. get it down on paper and then rewrite it. But it was, yeah, it took me a while to learn how to be, how to have a succinct point when I was trying to write long form. You well, know, it's a challenge. And the
2: book that that you've published so far is a, basically a book of stories about your youth, right, and in your life. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about that experience of writing about your own stories and sharing that with the world.
0: Well, I think you know the the cliche cliche, obviously, way to get started as an author is definitely the the memoir format, right? Because you have to you have to start writing what you know, and I think that's why that's so common for people to get started with memoirs. <laughs> and I knew that I was loving writing long form. I was beginning to see some signature in my long form writing that I thought other people might connect with. And so I was thinking about writing a book, but that voice inside that's always there, especially with creatives, of like, well, you don't know how to write a book. What the hell are you going to write a book about? You know, that you have to kind of control those voices. And I kept coming back to this one moment in my childhood. And it was my 10th year, 1977, we were in Tallahassee, Florida. My dad was getting his uh, doctorate at FSU. And uh, we lived on the street called Star Mount, which is kind of Tallahassee proper. But back then it was surrounded by swamps and woods and ponds and creeks and all the accoutrements of 10 years old, not to mention the seventies, which, you know, meant Parents didn't see you from Friday afternoon getting off the bus till the streetlight went on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> Not today's world. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so I really the the book idea evolved from hey, I, I want to write a memoir just because I want to start writing a book to a to what I thought was a interesting topic, and that is, I believe we all have a time and a place in our childhood that is ultimately definitive of our adulthood either because of positive or negative circumstances or both. And mine was this one year because we only lived on that street for one year. And there were about eight or 10 boys my age. And again, all these, you know, ponds and swamps and freedom of the seventies. I look back, as I started writing the book, I was able to draw a straight line between kind of the man I am today, whether it's friendship, loyalty, love, wilderness, adventure, whatever kind of uh, characteristics and attributes that make me the adult I am, I was able to draw a pretty straight line back to Starmount. It was pretty definitive. So my challenge in writing the book was, I we talked earlier about the universality of all our stories, but the individuality of being able to write it differently than you would write it or this other person would write it. I thought, well, I'm going to tell these fairly typical 70s, 10-year-old stories of Freedom, And we had 10, you know, two 10 foot alligators in a pond behind the house that we would, you know, build rafts and, you know, throw marshmallows at, you know, I mean, that's unheard of today. Right. You know, our parents must have been in some type of, you know, progressive cocktail party high to allow us to do that. But, but I, I thought, well, if I take these anecdotal stories that are fun and childlike and innocent and adventurous and then build them into how they created an adult, then I might have a book where somebody that wasn't of my era or geography that could read the book and, go, and it would bring them back to their moment. And uh, through reviews of the book and just hearing people um, who have read it, I think it's been doing that. So that's been really uh, satisfying. Very cool. Very cool.
2: But first, have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success? If so, then you're going to love what I put together for you. I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors to gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are? Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. I only partner with the best. No one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001, and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels, including Google, Microsoft and Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Amazon. And here's the best part. For anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your paid-per-click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click. And there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed, whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com dot com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. So the last topic I want to get into with you is just around networking, right? Um, Nashville, obviously huge country music and music in general community. Um, I'd love to hear from you how you've been able to build up your network in music in Nashville over the last 30 years and how you go about maintaining that network because I think it's something we can all get better at.
0: Well, Certainly, in any business, networking is really everything. But I think in the creative world, it's even more. And I, I'm not 100% sure why that is, but who you know and uh, the town is the town is really small, no matter how big it gets. So how you treat people now, I mean, that's, that's the idea of you. You got to pr- have a pretty good handle on. At some point in the 30 years, you're going to be the lips that kiss the ass. And then other times in the 30 years, you're going to be the ass that gets kissed. <laughs> and you're going to have to be comfortable with both and, and not not build your relationships on who can help you, I guess, to be more direct about it, right? I mean, that's the tendency that we want to align ourselves with somebody who's got an angle to get me over there mm-hmm. or to get my product over there. But realizing that I'm going to commit my life to this town and there are going to be times when my purpose will be to help my friends and then there'll be other times where theirs will be to help me and that's probably true of business in general but in a creative world like in a creative town like nashville it's it's really everything and maybe because the product is creative right i mean we're not selling shower curtain rings no uh no downer against shower curtain ring salesman. But, you know, (laughs) quite frankly, if somebody comes up and goes, hey, I I hate your shower curtain rings, I'm probably not going to take it too personally. Mm -hmm. But when your product is personal, your product is emotional, it it just invites a whole other level of interpersonal connection with people, whether it's people getting their feelings hurt differently or or more dramatically or the gamesmanship that goes into a business can be a little bit different when the product is emotional. Tom Paxton, who moved me down here, going back to the first part of our conversation, gave me this bit of advice where I pretended to understand it uh, at 21, and I really didn't, but I do now. He said, Mark, when you move down to Nashville, pretend you're moving to Cleveland. And I can remember going, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. And thinking to myself, I don't know what that means. (laughs) But I know what it means now, and that is learn to love Nashville beyond the business. Learn to love Nashville beyond the years when you're successful or not successful fall in love with your friends fall in love with the city find things about the city separate from the industry that make it home because to make it in this industry you're going to have to stay it can't be a five year i'm gonna give myself five years in the 90s when there was tons of artists and tons of money in nashville um you could see the the population swell in the spring and summer and go back in the fall and winter and it was those six months. I'm gonna give myself six months, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, committing to the town and committing to the, to the art form and just making it your life and trying to, you know, you got to treat people well because, you know, memories are long for shittiness and betrayal. (laughs) That's the truth.
2: (laughs) I think treating people right is critical as well as, checking yeah. in on folks, right? Staying in touch with people so that you have those relationships when you need them. And it's not all about what you need, right? But you can't call on somebody right. to in five years and ask them for something.
0: That's right. That's right. And so constantly reaching out um, is a big part of it. And and it's easier to do maybe in our business because it doesn't always have to be about, Hey, can you connect me with this person? It can be, you want to go over for some beers and play some songs. Mm-hmm. That's networking too in this business. Yeah. It's not a bad way Hopefully. to network either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Hopefully>, yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, just a few more questions I'd like to sure. ask everybody who I have on the show. <clears throat> First one is around the power of conversations. And it's interesting because it kind of dovetails with your discussion before about the power of stories for when you were a kid, right? But I believe that ha- one single conversation can really help to shape what direction you go in your life. So I always like to ask folks on the show if there's one conversation that they can point to that had a really meaningful impact with the path that you end up taking?
0: You know, I would like to say there was a single one, but in my life, there have been these patchworks. It's almost like saying, you know, the idea of a soulmate when the traditional way of looking at a soulmate is that we have one for a lifetime, when in reality, we probably have one for different parts of our lives. And that conversation that has moved me forward has been a patchwork quilt of hundreds of conversations. Certainly conversations I had with Tom Paxson, my earliest mentor, about, you know, he's the one that instilled that discipline and inspiration and the idea that bitterness, uh, you know, disappointment can make you bitter or better. I had a lot of really great conversations about that. I'm lucky I have two great parents and I've had tons of conversations. I could talk to them about, dreams. I mean, they 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 were so supportive and have been so supportive of a life that it is not uh, always guaranteed. And then I, I will tell you this quick story. When I first moved into my apartment on the east side of Nashville 30 years ago, I ordered pizza one evening and this kid shows up and of course I opened the door and my living room's filled with guitars and PA gear and he's delivered a pizza and we get into this quick conversation of, oh, you're a songwriter. Well, I'm a songwriter too. And I said something like, well, you know, next time you deliver a pizza, you ought to, uh, uh, you know, you ought to come by and write a song. And he said, well, and he, I no more got that out of my mouth. He flips this fanny pack around. You remember fanny packs? Definitely '90s. <laughs> and he slaps a, a demo cassette in my hand. And he said, man, that's why I have this job. You wouldn't believe how many pitches I get to make delivering pizzas. Wow. And I tell people all the time that that really is my most inspirational moment in Nashville. It hasn't been, you know, meeting Garth Brooks in the grocery store, though I did, and all these, you know, kind of star moments. It's this kid going, hey, "Here's your pizza, but here's your demo tape." And so when I think about these conversations that have moved me forward, I would say most of them have been my songwriting friends. They are incredibly courageous and strong because it is a terribly beautiful business and when you are struggling and you turn to a friend who has struggled and they happen to be kind of finding their feet that's the most important conversation so you know so the most important conversation was 30 years ago and day before yesterday
2: (laughs) i love it it all comes back to the importance of the relationships of the people in your life it does so that's cool So as you think about all you've accomplished so far, if there's one communication skill you could have had in more abundance that would have made it all a lot easier, what would that have been?
0: I think learning to sell myself, Mm -hmm. finding that balance between overselling and underselling. I think especially again, going back to, again, uh, you know, I don't want to knock salespeople of just mechanical products, but I I tend to believe that I'm not going to get hurt by the fact you don't like my the blender I'm hawking, but if you don't like my song, it's, it's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're selling yourself, do you, it's very easy on one end to sound desperate and it's very easy on the other hand to sound uninterested, you know, that oversell undersell. So I would, I would like to get better. Even after 30 years, I would get like to get better at selling myself Mm -hmm. and selling what I do in a way that finds a balance between over and under. And I think that's probably with all types of business, no matter what type of, or even outside of sales, it's that sense of how do I convey this point in a way that is the most effective. And I'm still balancing that out. I get it right some days and wrong other days. I think a lot of us are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us are trying to get better at that and maybe not as good as we could be, but yeah, about learning sure. every day. For
0: sure. So
2: who is the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally? And why would you say that about them?
0: There are songwriters that I think are phenomenal communicators through songs, but maybe not great communicators in person. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of, and I'll I'll just, for my own uh, sense of pride, leave myself out, but I probably am one as well. You know, there are a lot of us out here who could write a song that seems, incredibly personal and effective and powerful, then you meet them and you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so being able to do it in song is one thing, doing it, being able to do it in person is another. I've got a good friend of mine here. In fact, you ought to interview Devin O'Day. Uh, she is a uh, radio personality, uh, public speaker, songwriter, national level. And she is one of the most effective, Communicators, I've been around because she brings a sense of warmth and connection where you just get drawn in. But but she's so professional that her message gets delivered about as effectively as, as I've seen people. So uh, put me on the spot in the moment to name a name, I would say Devin O'Day.
2: Very cool. Yeah, would love to interview her and I'll definitely yeah, I can, check her out as I'll, well. I'll, I'll uh, connect you. Yeah, no, that's great. So Last question for you. Where can the audience find you and what you're working on and and where can they find your book?
0: Great. So, um, of course, my main official website is markelliotcreative.com, all spelled out. And you can find everything from music uh, to books. I'm on all the socials, but I'm probably the most active on Instagram. And that is I'm a creative soul. And I'd like to say this was creative on my part, but it was just, it was already taken. So creative, the a is an eight. So it's create. eight, eight is right. Nice. So I'm a creative soul at, um, on Instagram and I post a lot there. Uh, the book is available through me at Mark Elliott creative. It's available everywhere else. In fact, Friday it just came out on audible. Uh, I did my own, uh, I have my, oh. my own studio here. And so I narrated the book and just released a audio version of sons of star mount, uh, there. So you can find it there. So between Instagram and Mark Elliott Creative, uh, I've got all my lives there.
2: And I understand doing an audiobook is quite a process.
0: It It is. I loved it. I mean, uh, the narrating, although I'll tell you, narrating your own book, and generally you do it, I think, some months or longer for me after you've written it. And so the only struggle with me narrating my book was how many lines I read that I went, Oh God, I wish I would have written that differently. (laughs) I want to rewrite the entire book, but I loved uh, talking about communication. I really, and I've had some narration experience. I've done some, uh, some fun state park kiosk narrations. Like you walk up to the old cabin or the old well and push the button. And it's me going back in 1850, you know, (laughs) and that was fun, but I really learned in reading the sons of Stormout that, narration is a whole different communication tool and format. So I'm kind of turned on by that. The, the technical side of, of creating a book is a thing. Yeah. And I'll be better at it the second time around. There was a, that's why I had hair before I started it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can relate
2: to that. Not the book, but the hair. <laughs> but uh, no, this has been great. I really appreciate your time today. I think,
0: oh, it's been uh, fun. Thanks for uh, letting me wax on about my life. Uh,
2: Absolutely. I think there's so much we can learn from our creative counterparts. uh, Well, we can learn on the business side from our creative counterparts about how to communicate and connect and get our message across more effectively. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Happy to do it.
1: Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics, as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life, personally and professionally, at facebook.com groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life, and that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.